That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, what's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in. Thanks to you for supporting the show. I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast. Help people stay sober. In fact, this show has helped me stay sober since September 11th, 2013. Yes, we also, obviously, talk about alcohol in the show, we talk about drugs, we talk about recovery, and we talk about other random shit as well. We gotta have some fun. What is uh, recovery? What is sobriety? If you're not gonna have fun, a lot of people think, oh, I'm gonna go get sober and life's gonna fucking suck. It's not. It's beautiful. It's lovely. It's great. It's phenomenal. It's amazing. Is every day perfect? Absolutely not. Okay, but what I am saying is the fact that I get to feel today, baby. How good is that? I get to feel the highs, the lows. I get to feel everything. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's awesome. Uh, But the good thing is, is that I get to remember too. I get to talk about it. So I appreciate you guys. If it's your first time tuning in today, uh, be sure if you have kids, uh, you might want to listen to this at a later date. Uh, You can say earmuffs like on uh, old school. If that works, if that's your thing, earmuffs, and maybe the kid will cover his uh, his ears, and then Frank the Tank will say cock balls right afterwards. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's one of my favorite movies, though. Total 90s. I think 90s, right? Was it 90s or early 2000s? Uh, I'm not sure. But anyways, uh, we're going to be talking about celebrating your wins today. Uh, what does that look like? Uh, are you celebrating your wins, or are you only focused on the past and what's ahead, which I know can be a big uh, challenge of my own? call that future tripping sometimes or looking back and saying, I woulda, coulda, shoulda, I shoulda all over myself. Um, now we have a bunch of comments and questions also from you guys. I made a post on Instagram, uh, and, uh, you guys came through with, with a bunch of good stuff on there. So we're going to go through, go through some of those. Uh, now we also have a couple other comments and questions. Uh, one is about non-alcoholic beer in which a friend and listener Seth, Uh, reached out and shared an interesting article on N.A. beer. And he also asked me if I drink N.A. beer. I don't think I've ever addressed that on the show today, so I'll do that. And then uh, we have an answer uh, to which way the toilet paper roll should fall. I don't know if you listened back a couple episodes ago. I had mentioned that Jess likes to put the toilet paper roll on, which I think is backwards. And at this point, I think she does it just to mess with me now. Um, uh, At that man that man's name is me uh, on Instagram. I, I didn't. I didn't catch a first name on that. Uh, but he sent over an article uh, titled uh, "Confirmed." This is how you should hang your toilet paper. So we're going to touch on that a little bit towards the end of the show. Uh, and then uh, let's see what else do we have. We have uh, Deborah, listener Deborah, uh, left a comment about grown man with the glove. And if you go back to last week's show. I talked about going to opening day with cash and what grown man with a glove game is. Uh, so she brings up a great point in defense of grown man with a glove. And we're going to get into that today too. Now, before we do all that, be sure to check us out at that sober uh, You can also connect with us on Instagram at real that sober guy and on Twitter at Shane Raymer. Uh, I'm not savvy on Twitter, but feel free to uh, to do either. I would prefer Instagram. Once again, at Real That Sober Guy, Twitter at Shane Raymer. Um, now, one of the best ways you can help support the show 
is by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, So if the show has helped you and you haven't had a chance to go do that yet, please take five minutes, uh, go to iTunes, leave us a nice comment, leave us a five-star review. Um, If you don't know how to do that, it's real simple. There's a button on there that says leave a review. Once you're signed into your iTunes account, you can do that there. And you can also find uh, the tutorial, as I think it's called. Is that how you say it? Tutorial, a video a YouTube video on how to leave an iTunes review. Just Google that shit. It'll come right up and you can leave us a nice review. We appreciate that. Now, every year, 23 million Americans are living with addiction. Only 3 million are actively seeking help. Let me tell you about Heroes in Recovery. Heroes in Recovery has a simple mission. It's to eliminate the social stigma that keeps people with addiction and mental health issues from seeking the help that they need. Now, they also share stories of recovery uh, for the purpose of encouragement and inspiration uh, and help to create an engaged, sober community that empowers people to get involved, give back, and live healthy, active lives. I've shared my story with Heroes, with Heidi uh, from Heroes back in Nashville, I think, at the recovery uh, or the uh, behavioral health. uh, What is it? Innovations in behavioral health. Is that right? Probably slaughtered that. But in any case, I did share there uh, my story with Heroes. And it was um, it was a lot of fun. And it was something that I felt like I could contribute to uh, and share a little bit. Uh, so Heroes is here to break the stigma surrounding substance use and mental health issues and help more people start to strengthen and continue to strengthen their recovery. So here's my question for you. Do you have a story? If you do, you can help bring truth and hope into the spotlight by sharing it with Heroes in Recovery. So if you want to do that, you can go to heroesinrecovery.com slash sober guy. That's heroesinrecovery.com slash sober guy. Or if you have some questions just in general about treatment options, um, about recovery, about addiction, you have a family member or a loved one who's struggling, you can also call 833-81-SOBER. That's 833-81-SOBER. Uh, and you can get some answers. Foundations is great folks, and they can give you uh, some info. Live shows coming up. First and foremost, we're going to be at Innovations in Recovery Conference uh, podcasting live April 16th through the 19th in San Diego Hotel Del Coronado. Uh, big thanks to Foundations for having us down to do this for the third, I think this is the third or fourth year uh, that we've that we've been down there. I think it's the third year we're actually uh, been doing live podcasts uh, and, uh, and contributing. Uh, so it's really a great event. We get to connect with a lot of good people and put out some good content. So be looking for those episodes coming out in the next couple of weeks live. Uh, and we'll probably be, uh, be doing some Instagram lives as well when we're down there and you can check those out as we're recording, as we're walking around, as we're connecting with people and talking to people and uh, spreading the good word of recovery. Uh, If you want some more information about the event itself or any of Foundations events, you can go to foundationsevents.com and you can get some more info there. Now, we have some live podcasts uh, coming up locally too. Uh, We got Journey Coffee, Vacaville. uh, That's actually April 6th, which is tomorrow as this show goes live. Um, Special guests uh, include my good homie, Kenny Meek, uh, as well as the owners of Journey, uh, Mornay and Nicole, uh, who are awesome people. They've let us come out and do some shows there before. And they're going to share their story, entrepreneurship, parenting, uh, challenges, recovery, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we're going to have a good time doing that. So if you want to come out, you're in the Bay Area, the Sacramento area, Solano County, uh, come check that show out. It's tomorrow, April 6th at 6 o'clock p.m. at Journey Coffee in Vacaville. And then we'll have, this is the start of a summer, uh, spring, summer series 
where we'll be doing these live shows at Journey uh, throughout uh, or through August, I think. I think the next one is May 11th, uh, June 1st, July 6th, and August 3rd. So if you can't make this one, uh, there'll be more to come. So be sure to check those out. Now, I get a lot of questions about early sobriety. What do I do? Where do I go? What don't I do? How do I stay sober? Look, I don't have all the answers. So here's what I did. Me and some of my closest friends and colleagues created a podcast video course called How to Navigate the First 90 Days of Sobriety. Uh, you can get some info. You can hear some people share their story. There's a bunch of good podcasts on there too. Uh, audio ones from the catalog of Sober Guy that really deal with the first 90 days. What do I do? Do I need to get a sponsor? Do I need to go to meetings? Do uh, you know what? How do I stay sober in this pivotal moment? I know I was so confused out of treatment that uh, I really could have used something like this to help save me some time and some energy and uh, and and really know kind of how to navigate around in what to do. You can get the course right now by going to thatsoberguide.com. You can click on courses. Uh, also, if you're a veteran, we offer the course up for free to all veterans. So holler at me on Instagram at realthatsoberguy and uh, tell me you're a veteran. Tell me a little bit about yourself and I can hook you up with a promo code there. All right. Announcements are done. We got a lot of shit to cover today and uh, this is going to be a fun one because we got a lot of good feedback from you guys out there and I'm looking forward to reading some of this stuff. Um, are you celebrating your wins? I can think back, um, gosh, probably two years ago, at least, if not a little bit longer, my homeboy Christian and I were on a run and, and we had a really good chat about this, about how we can be so focused on either past stuff. I should all over myself. Uh, you know, I could have done more. I could have done better. I shouldn't have done this, you know, so living in that past, not being able to let go of the stuff and move on or uh, focused on what's ahead. And uh, you've heard me refer to it and I'm not the only one. There's a lot of other people that refer to it as future tripping. I'm not going to future trip on stuff. I can only control what's in the now. I can't control that other shit on what's tomorrow. I don't even know if I'll be here tomorrow. Life is short, right? And I don't mean that from a negative standpoint. I just mean it from a reality. Like we got to live each moment to the fullest. And so how do we do that? And how does that tie in with celebrating our wins? Um, what do some of your wins look like? You know, for me, sometimes I get caught up in thinking the wins have to mean changing the world, right? Doing these, I'm going to have this massive effect and, you know, I'm going to do this and, and that, and I'm going to just be, people are going to remember me that kind of shit. I'm not saying that it's necessarily a, a bad thing. Okay, to have visions, to have dreams. I have those too, but I've gotten caught up in that so many times where I forget the small wins are sometimes just as important, if not more important than the big wins. Because for me, they help keep me in the moment. They help keep me going. They help keep me on track. Just understanding like, damn, I just, you know, I got, I got, uh, you know, five years this year sober. That's a, obviously, I mean, that's a pretty big win right there. Um, you know, I, uh, I showed up for work today. How about this? I have a job today. That's a win, <laughs> right? I mean, and, and, and some might say, well, come on, you know I mean? Yeah, but it's, it's literally those small wins getting up out of bed each day and putting my feet on the ground and saying, damn, I get to take a breath today. That's a motherfucking win, son. Like straight up, Do, you know, and, and, and when we get in that mentality of gratitude of winning, um, I know for me, it does a lot because my brain has been trained to focus on the negative for so many years. That's why I drink. 
That's why I turned to drugs was to escape that negativity, that, uh, that darkness, because, you know, it, it felt, it gave me some sort of relief from that. So we don't always have to change the world. The small wins are sometimes just as important. And here's what I did. I went on Instagram. I left a a post on there and said, Hey, comment question. Here's this week's topic about wins. What are some of your wins, uh, uh, or, or questions or both, uh, you know, that you'd like to share. So I'll, first what I'm going to do, I'm going to go down this list and, uh, and, and we're just going to read some of these comments. It's good stuff. And I, I just want to tell everyone who participated and left some comments, man. Thank you. Uh, it's a big part of this show. Like I, I don't sit up here and do this. Um, you know, uh, I, I can't do it without you guys is what I'm saying. I guess, you know, I guess I could, I mean, I guess I could just talk into a microphone for nothing and it'd still be very therapeutic and whatever, but it's great to know that, uh, we have some people out there who actually get into it and enjoy it and, uh, and participate. So thank you. So the first one comes from my homeboy, Sean at everything is Ja on, uh, on Instagram. Uh, and man, I love Sean B. He's doing some things. I think he's got like 35 days right today sober. Um, and he's just really dove in head first in jumping into to meetings and getting a sponsor. He's doing the right things. Like we get these questions sometimes about, I don't know what to do this and that. And it's like, it's really fucking simple. You do what you're supposed to do. You get plugged into community. Uh, you, you know, maybe, um, you go to a 12 step meeting, maybe you go to some sort of men's or women's group, uh, you get a sponsor, you get a mentor. Um, maybe you're somebody who doesn't know, like, I don't know if I'm an alcoholic or I have a problem. I just want to cut back. Well, that's fine. You know, that's for you to decide, but you got to get involved in some sort of community if you want to make some changes And Sean, uh, man, I mean, me and him have been talking for, uh, we've known each other forever, but we've been talking about this recovery shit here and there for a while now. And he's really dove in and, uh, and done his thing, man. And so I'm proud of him. I just want to give him a quick shout out. Uh, but also he says, um, one of his wins is making it into my lion's den of the Bay area and then back without ducking around with any quack. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons I love Sean. Cause he's always putting some goofy, funny ass shit around there. He's always got some lingo going down. Uh, that's always fun. But basically, you know, I talked to him yesterday and he's got to come down, uh, from out, out of the state and he's got to go into the Bay area into, uh, into Northern California area. And that's a lot of the time for him when, you know, things could go South real quick. And so what does he do? He uses those resources. He calls me, he calls a sponsor. He checks out where the meetings are at. He stays, you know, stays in touch and knows that he's expecting this shit to come up. And that's, that's what we got to do to set ourselves up for success. So much love, Sean Beasy. I love you, brother. And thank you uh, for, for the comments and good on you, man, for doing the thing. Uh, the next one comes from Chris. It's at Chris. Uh, is it, let's see, Oyen, O-Y-E-N. O-Y-E-N. Uh, Chris says, any tips on trying to figure out what to do next without future tripping? Chris has 603 days uh, uh, today. This probably would have been a couple days ago when you left the comment. Uh, so congrats on that, man. That's that's huge. Uh, you're coming up on two years uh, pretty soon. So, I mean, that's awesome, man. Uh, but Chris also says, I feel like I should be doing more service, reaching out, uh, feeling good right now. I just don't want to be complacent. Thanks for all you do. Uh, and then he also said I was stationed at Travis years ago, which Travis is an Air Force base near here. Uh, and he says, if, if I ever end up uh, back out there, have to hit a live show. Absolutely, bro. I'd love to, to have you out and uh, meet you and all that good stuff and check out the show for sure. As far as your question goes, 
you know, any tips on what to do next without future tripping? Um, you know, here's what I can do. And I know this sounds cliche. I can do the next right thing. That's what I can do. Um, you know, the future tripping, here's what future tripping is for me. It's, it's setting expectations, it's setting, it's setting agendas. And one of the hardest things for me has been to find the middle of that because it's like, and I, I, you know, my sponsor buddy and I have talked about this a lot. Like how do I, and many of my friends have had conversations now that I think about it too. It's like, how do I sit in the moment, do the next right thing, still have visions and, and have a strategy and, and have, um, goals, but not, uh, set expectations and have an agenda, right? Because it sounds so counterintuitive. And here, here's what I try to do. I try to wake up every day and I try to do what's in front of me. And I set goals. I set times for things and I have commitments that I have to, uh, you know, adhere to whether it's work commitments or parenting commitments or, um, any type of commitment that, that one could have, uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta take care of that shit. And that's, that's a part of it too. Um, I think as far as, you know, feeling like you should be doing more, um, I, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like more is not good. Sometimes I feel like less is better. Sometimes for me right now, what I'm feeling like is I need to, to take less off of my plate and that to me is 100% powerlessness. That to me is letting go. That to me is letting God run my life and waking up and saying, okay, God, man, thank you so much for everything that, uh, that, you, that you've blessed me and my family with today, starting with my sobriety. Uh, and uh, man, I'm gonna do whatever you put in front of me today. So I know that that explanation may sound a little bit... Um, easy, shallow. Uh, I, I don't really know exactly what the word is. Uh, those are the only two that are coming to mind. It's simple. Maybe that's a simple thing. And, and I think that's part of my problem. And, and many people that I've talked to is that we complicate the shit out of stuff. It doesn't really have to be that complicated. God doesn't really want us to have it be that complicated. That's a human thing that we complicate. So if I can wake up every day and I can say, you know, and, and, and look at this, think about this. When things happen, when they happen organically, that's when we know that they're right. So if I can live in this space where I'm just doing the next right thing, I'm maybe I got a service commitment. I'm doing that. I'm not trying to take on too much. I'm not trying to do good. I'm just going to be good. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, I didn't have this on, on any of these notes today, but I think it's a good opportunity to share this. So buddy and I talked yesterday and, uh, uh, he does the Dow podcast. So they, they talk about, uh, the, uh, Da Ching and there, there was a really good, um, uh, verse on, uh, he says it's on page 37 and here's, I think it kind of speaks to, to Chris, what you're saying about figuring out what to do next. And I feel like I should be doing more service, reaching out, uh, all that stuff. And the, in the Dao Te Ching, it says the highest good is not to seek to do good, but to allow yourself to become it. So good stuff, buddy. Thank you for passing that on down this way. Um, we appreciate that. It's good, good to be able to share. And it's great that it comes up in a moment like this. And I want to read it one more time. The highest good is not to seek to do good, but to allow yourself to become it. So here's how I understand that real quick. And then, and then we'll move on to our next comment. 
I understand that as I'm, I'm pushing, I'm constantly pushing, I'm pushing. I need to do more, 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 more. I need to be better, 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 better. I got to do this. I got to do that. I don't have enough time. That's a big thing, right? Life is short. So we will feel like we want to stretch everything in. All that does is give me fucking anxiety. All it does is make me feel like I'm, I'm not doing enough when in fact I'm doing more than enough by going with the flow. I'm going to allow myself to become it. I'm going to just wake up, do the next right thing, and I'm going to do what God puts in front of me. When we talk about the first step being powerless, that to me is a true example of powerlessness. I'm going to wake up. I, of course, I have schedules. I have things I got to do, but I'm going to go with the flow. If, if an asshole in traffic cuts me off or if I'm running late because th- those types of things are out of my control. And I know that's kind of a dumb example, but it's a, it's a relevant one because it happens often. We got traffic, what stuff happens. It's out of our control. We got to just go with the flow. And when we're at peace in those moments, I know for me, that's when I can sit back and I can feel okay. I can feel at ease. That's the big stuff right there. So, um, Chris, thank you for that. Uh, let's move on. It's, uh, this next one comes from Isaac. It's at Isaac3441. says, been on the wagon for 200 days, and I'm feeling great about resisting the urge to drink on a daily basis, but struggling with new urges to try to drink socially like a normal person. Um, you know, I saw this, and I meant to pull the big book out on this, and I failed to, and I'm not going to go get it right now. So let me try to... Let me try to... Uh, um, to think back about a, a verse in the big book that I just read on, man, what episode was it? Now I'm going to have to look, give me a second here because I want to Isaac refer you back to this because I think it was how to party sober. Um, let's see here. It is, I'm like checking this out while getting the voice as I emphasize why the fuck do we do that? Is people who talk on the microphone? I don't know. I guess it just happens. So Isaac, I think it is how to party sober episode two fifty three. Um, and here's, here's what it talks about. And I, I don't have it in front of me, but go back and listen to that episode because I read, um, I read a couple of the pages. I want to say it's page like one Oh six or something. Uh, but I say it in the, in the, in the podcast and it talks about how many times, we as alcoholics have tried to drink socially and still have that thought in our mind that we can drink normal. It's okay. Well, I, I don't know what it's like for you. Cause I'm not you. And it, you've shared a little bit and saying that, you know, you're still having some of those thoughts. I still um, have those thoughts occasionally too, even after five years, you know, of like, man, I bet you I could have a beer right now. I'd probably be cool. And to be completely honest, I probably would be cool for a day or two, maybe a week, maybe a month. Eventually, the way that I drink, the way that I use drugs, the way that my personality is, eventually it's slowly but surely going to creep back into a worse state than I ever was before. Now, that is for uh, the person to figure out themselves on what that looks like, you know, if you're questioning that kind of stuff. Um, I can tell you a little bit about what I've been doing in social situations. And we're going to talk a little bit about this at the end of this podcast today about non-alcoholic beer. So you can stay tuned for that at the end and we'll jump into an article there and I'll tell you a little bit about my experience with that. And, um, you know, we can get into that a little bit, but one of the things that I do is if I'm at a social event, I try to keep a drink with me. Um, you know, some Pellegrino, some lemon, some lime. Uh, 
um, some coffee. Uh, I'll do even a Red Bull or a Bang sometimes if I want a little bit of caffeine uh, and I'm not feeling like hot coffee. Um, I try to keep something. Now, the reason I like the Pellegrino, like let's let's say, for instance, at a wedding, right? That's a, that's a really good example of a social situation. Everyone's had to go to a wedding in their life. We're all going to have to go to more weddings in our lives at some point or another. A family member, old Uncle Frank's going to, you know, Uncle, Uncle Frank's granddaughter is getting married <laughs> out and, you know, wherever the fuck. And we got to drive out there and go to it. And, you know, it's going to be a great time and all that. But, you know, if you're the sober person, you're like, oh, shit, there's going to be a bunch of people getting hammered here. And, you know, it might be a little socially awkward if I'm, especially if I'm in my first year of recovery. So what do I do? Here's what I do at something like that. I get a drink. I get a Pellegrino, a soda water, whatever. I get some lime and some lemon in it. I keep that shit full at all times. And that's my drink. Number one, I'm sipping on something. So I'm feeling social, right? Number two, people don't know if it has alcohol in it or not. And, and here's the thing that I realized over time. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares what I'm doing. Everybody, and I'm not just saying in, at a wedding or anywhere, I'm just saying everyone is, in general, we're all selfish human beings and we're all giving a fuck about what we're doing ourselves that we could care less what anyone else is doing. So most of the time, you're never going to get any shit for it. And if anyone does ask you, you just say, no, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not drinking tonight. It's all you got to say. It doesn't have to be a big old thing. Um, and, and let me tell you what I've learned in this, in this situation and in, in going into this because I still get the social awkwardness sometimes. It's part of it. Um, some, sometimes is, is, you know, a little bit more severe than other times. Sometimes it's, I don't feel any of it. Sometimes I feel a little bit of it. That's up to me. That's how, you know, gauging how spiritually fit I, I guess I am in that moment, um, or at that time. But, uh, you know, throughout the, throughout all the experience I've had, it's so damn good to, to be, to be able to go into those environments, like, and be sober. Like I look at it like straight OG status, like, damn, I can sit here. I can feel, I can, uh, I don't need a tool of alcohol to make me loosen up to dance. I don't need this tool of alcohol to loosen up so I can talk to somebody. I can fucking do that on my own because I know myself because I'm comfortable in my own. And I really take a lot of pride in that from a very good place, might I add to, because we all know about pride and ego and all that shit. So it's a little bit different than that part of it, but pride in the fact that um, I'm spiritually fit enough to where I can do this. And so I think if you can kind of flip the script, I, Isaac, and, you know, have something to drink at all times, try that out. Uh, if you're not already doing that and just, you know, be spiritually fit when you're going into these situations too. have a plan, you know, make sure that, uh, you have a strategy to, to bail out of that place if you need to. And I think when you go into it like that, it helps, uh, for me, at least it helps alleviate some of that stress or anxiety, uh, or awkwardness, uh, as you're going in. So thanks for that one, man. That's a good, that's a good question right there. Um, the next one comes from Jason. It's, uh, at J keys, 1978. Let me take a quick drink real quick throat was getting a little, a little, uh, rough there. Um, he said, so Jason said, celebrating my wins. Well, I'm coming up on four years of continuous sobriety. I'll call that a huge win, bro. That is a huge win. Four years. It's pretty damn incredible without, uh, you know, without getting on, on that sauce at all. Good job, man. It's good shit right there. Uh, he says, here's a question. How do you feel about the new sober is sexy trend? Damn. Good question. I no fucking clue. I didn't really understand it was a trend, I guess. Um, 
Do you feel that it puts focus on or takes focus off those who struggle with addiction? Thanks, man. Damn. So Jason, that's a really good question. And I, I, I honestly, man, um, I must have kind of overlooked the question part of this um, when I was doing some of these show notes. I, I didn't I didn't really know sober is sexy was a certain trend and I don't really know what that trend is. So I'm going to give it my best guess on, on what I think it is. Cause I've seen the hashtag I've, I have a, a hashtag, um, uh, app and, and it, and it, what it does is basically you can copy and paste like the top, uh, you know, hashtags that go along with whatever you post, right? Little social media tip shit on there. Right. And one of them is sober is sexy. So I'm going to guess that, we're kind of popularizing the sober thing. Like it's this cool thing to be sober. It's, it's, it's somewhat now trendy. It's, um, it's sexy to even, you know, to, to go right with the verbiage right there. Sober is sexy. Um, here's my thing, I guess my take on it with really kind of off, off the top of my head. I think that if, if people are proud of their sobriety and they're speaking out about it, I might not, and and you might not, and certain people all have kind of different opinions on how people go about it. I know there's, you know, there's some people that are very loud and proud about it. There's some people that are a little more subtle about it. I think that's kind of a to each his own type of thing. I think at the end of the day though, um, here's one of the reasons that I, that I decided to, to do the podcast and, and I guess unofficially or officially, however you want to look at it from a, from a 12 step thing, like break my anonymity and come out about it on the show is because I just, I, I, I respect that point to it, but I also think that, um, that times are changing. And I think the anonymity aspect, if somebody wants to keep their anonymity, that's their right. And that's their, and I I respect the shit out of that. I respect the program for that. At the same time, my personal thing, and, and I think this is why we're seeing the, 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 you know, people posting their sobriety dates and sober is sexy, all the hashtags, all that stuff, dude, people are proud of their shit now. And people want other people to know, like, I know for me, I had that thought like, well, how number one, how am I going to, I've already hid my alcohol and my drug use for so long. Why the fuck do I got to hide my sobriety? Like, why do I got to hide back and be you know, anonymous about my sobriety and not talk about it unless it's only these other people in this little small club that are in with me, you know? So I, I mean, and I don't mean any disrespect there. I know some, I'll probably get some shit, you know, even talking about this stuff. It's a touchy subject, but for me, like, I want people to know that, that like you can beat this shit or maybe not beat it is the wrong term, but you can get a grasp on it. You can cut back your drinking. You can quit your drinking. You can change your lifestyle. And how am I going to do that without kind of speaking out about it? So I guess that's kind of my take on it. Yeah. I'm not a fan of some of the hashtags and some of the, you know, more kind of loud and and proud ones myself. Um, But Hey, I mean, to each his own, everyone's a little bit different. We're all kind of out there. Uh, those of us that are in this, uh, in this community speaking out about it. Um, I think at the end of the day, that's really what it's about. And it's about spreading the word of recovery of sobriety of a a PMA positive mental attitude, changing lives, being of service, man, that's like, that's where it's at just in life in general, throw the drugs, throw the alcohol bullshit out the window. Um, it's a very minute, small part of recovery. Everybody should do a recovery program because we're all trying to deal with this thing called life. And life is a bitch sometimes, right? We go through hard, hard times. Sometimes we go through 
fun, great times sometimes, and it's full of ups and downs. And if we don't know how to deal with it, if we're constantly turned into something, whether it be drugs, video games, sex, alcohol, food, whatever, to deal with it, um, which we all do to some extent, I'm sorry to say, you know, just because I quit drugs and alcohol doesn't mean I don't struggle with other stuff too. That's one of the things I had to find out like, wait, oh, I thought everything was going to be all great and I'm, I quit and everything's like perfect now. Hell no. And that's a good example of the fact that it's not just about alcohol and drugs. It's about working a program and learning how to live life. And as it says uh, in the big book, practicing this in all our affairs. Um, so yeah, that's my take on that. Thank you for the question. I hope that, uh, I hope that made some sense to the sober is sexy trend. I'm not sure I completely understand it, but, um, next one comes from my homeboy, Philip at underscore Philip underscore W love you, brother. Thank you, uh, for chiming in on this. And, and Philip always has some good stuff to say. He was back. Uh, it's actually a guest on the podcast. Um, a few episodes back, um, I don't remember which episode now, but just go back and look up Philip Wright and you'll, uh, you'll see that on there. And Philip says, I've lived many lives and he's got a phenomenal story by the way. So definitely go back and, uh, and check that one out. Uh, he says, I live many lives, a jock, a stoner, a drunk, a tweaker, etc. I'm now living the best life I've ever lived. With that said, the life that I have now is a win. My friends, my church, my family, I now get to enjoy things that I took for granted or thought that I would never be able to do normal things again, like weekend adventures to the beach, hiking, um, anything out, you know, anything being active and just enjoying the day. Uh, those are the wins for me. Um, and then I actually talked to, so Philip, number one, bro, I couldn't agree more with you. Just living out each day to the fullest and doing the best we can. Um, dude, I mean, that's, that's like a blessing in itself. And then I actually talked to Phil, uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before. Um, and, and he also mentioned, you know, another win is actually just the ability to recognize all of that stuff right there, all those wins and having the ability to recognize that. And I thought that was a really good point because how many of us don't recognize the small stuff? We don't recognize the, the things that we do that are good each day because we're so focused on the bad stuff. And a lot of us, like myself, have been trained to notice the negative. I mean, just look at TV and culture in general. We're bombarded with media coverage of negativity, wars, death, destruction, like constantly in a state of chaos and anxiety and um, depression. And dude, you, we have to break free from that programming. Okay. And part of doing that is learning how to deal with stuff. And that's, you know, I don't, I don't dig into that too much on this show. I, I hope one day I'll be able to, to talk more, maybe on a different podcast or, you know, we, we talk, I talk a lot about it in my own private life, but there's such, there's so much more I want to talk about on that, on that aspect, which is the great awakening, you know, the great awakening to a, to a bigger reality than, than we even know exists, you know, and the start of that is breaking the programming of, um, you know, of living in this false sense of reality, this normalcy bias that we're all kind of trapped in. It's almost like the fucking matrix. And I'm going to stop right there before I start freaking anybody out and they turn this shit off. But those conversations are, um, are out there and, uh, and, and they're very, very interesting when you start to become awoke to that shit. Uh, so Philip, anyways, thank you, my brother. Thank you for, um, for sharing that dude. And I've, 
you know, I, I've heard your, your testimony, your stories, they're hilarious. They're serious. Um, they're, they're, uh, it's just a really great journey that you've been on. And I've, I've been able to see you, um, you know, have these huge wins, uh, in, uh, especially in, you know, even in the last year or so, man, just, just doing the thing. So I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Uh, the next one comes from, uh, Aaron. Let's see. It's at Aaron E R I N L B E S S. And I'm giving, I'm giving the handles just in case anybody wanted to holler. They're on the comment thread anyways, but I just figured what the hell. So Aaron says a huge win for me is a new job in the addiction field. That's dope. Uh, but with that, I have to find ways not to take everything to heart or become so tangled up in fixing everyone else that I lose focus on my own sobriety. It's almost like being a sponsor, I guess. But how do you be of service or help others without taking it all home and letting it affect you? Um, so really, really good question. Uh, congratulations on on entering the addiction um, industry field. I don't know if you're a counselor. I'm assuming that's probably what it is. Uh, whatever it is, congrats on that. That's a huge accomplishment. I know there's a lot of schooling that goes behind that, and uh, um, it's a lot of work. The first thing you say here, how with that, I have to find ways not to take everything to heart or become so entangled up in fixing everyone. So one of the things that I've had to learn and continue to learn, and I, and I mean that, I continue to have to learn this, is that it's not my job to fix anybody. It is not my job to, I can barely fix myself. How the shit am I going to fix anybody else? Not my job. My job is to love others, uh, to help guide them. Um, if they come to me for advice or whatever, I'm going to help try to guide you there. Um, I'm going to try to, to help, to help you think outside of the box, to ask you questions, not to fix you. So that's number one. Um, it's not my job to fix anybody. You know, I'm not, and, and uh, this, you know, this is something that I've always uh, held tight. It's, it's I'm not responsible for anyone's success or failure, you know, and I didn't, I didn't create that by the way, either. Uh, I heard it from somebody else. I think it was buddy. Um, I, you know, I'm not responsible for that. I'm not responsible. I'm responsible for me. I'm responsible for keeping my side of the street clean. So that's number one. Okay, you, you know, and, and if, if it's a counselor type of situation, it's a work situation. I understand that's a little bit different because uh, you do have a job to do. But at the same time, it's not your job to fix anybody because we all know we all have some. Well, I shouldn't say we all. I don't know. I know a lot of us, including myself. We all know somebody out there who we want to we want to help. We want them to better, live a better life. We, we have options for them. We have resources for them. We can tell them all the things we can tell them until we're blue in the face. But until somebody is ready to fix themselves and to get the help they need, they're never going to do it straight up. It's not my job, not my job. Um, you know, and then the other thing, uh, Aaron says, how do you be of service to others? without taking it all home. And I think that that kind of ties into the last thing that I said is that, uh, you know, it's not my responsibility um, or, or I'm not responsible for somebody's success or their failure. So if, if you're working with somebody and they fail miserably, it's not your responsibility. It doesn't mean you didn't try hard enough. It doesn't mean you didn't do the right thing. Um, you know, it just means that maybe that person wasn't ready. And at the same time, you know, you have somebody and you work with them and they're successful. That's an awesome thing. But just know at the same time, like at the end of the day, it's really not you that's responsible for that. Um, they're responsible for themselves. And so if you can take both ends of those spectrum, you can kind of take yourself out of the, of the middle of it. 
Um, I think that's a, I know for me, that's been a big thing that's helped in dealing with, um, you know, not only ones that I love, but people that have reached out or people that I've worked with too. So good one there. Quick drink. All right. This next one comes from, um, my sister-in-law. I'm going to say at blue green eyes, Kelly. It's so awesome when you get a nice comment from, from one of your family too. I got to say, I just love that stuff. Um, love my sis. She's awesome. Always helping out with, with Cash and Lucy. So thank you for that. Um, now, here's what, here's what Kelly says. Kelly says, my question is, why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. Any, okay, I apologize. Name that movie. If you don't know, you suck. All right, I'm going to tell you the movie. It's Christmas Vacation, one of the best damn movies of all time. I wait every year for that, for the Christmas season to come around. So the day after Halloween, I can start watching it. And I probably watch it about 117 times each season. So Kelly, thank you for that. We, we don't know why the carpet's all wet other than Clark is a dumbass and uh, messes everything up. They call me Clark, by the way, around the house. Cause I actually have a flannel that looks like Clark Griswold. And I enjoy putting it on with my Christmas hat and, uh, and, and getting into the spirit once Christmas season comes around. It's probably my favorite time of year. In fact, I'm going to have a Christmas room one day. But beside the point. Anyways, Kelly says her win is learning to adapt to my new mom life of older kids and appreciate time for myself. It's pretty cool. My book of life feels like the new Kelly chapters will be made. Love you, bro. So Kelly, I think that's super, super awesome. Um, here's the thing. Your kids are phenomenal kids. Um, you know, Jake, Haley, they have, um, they're just, they're just really, really good, solid kids and you've done a great job. And I can't imagine what that's like having a transition like Jess and I are in this little, you know, we're in little kid stage right now and there are kids are very dependent on us. Uh, and then it's like, you're going through the thing right now where now it's like, wait a minute, my kids don't need me for everything. Um, I don't have my kid in the bathroom going, raise your hand. If you want to wipe my butt, that's Cash's thing. Raise your hand. If you want to wipe my butt. I mean, you know, he's dependent. He's dependent on me or Jess wiping his ass, you know? And when our kids grow up, they're not, we don't, we don't have to do stuff like that anymore. It's like, wait a minute, who am I now? Like, what is, what does my life consist of now? Wait a minute. I can start to take care of me a little bit. Um, so that transition has got to be tough. And let me tell you, Kelly, I see you all the time and you're doing a amazing job at it. And, um, man, just not both just appreciate the heck out of you. And I, I'm really happy that you uh, decided to drop a comment on here and, uh, and, and share a little bit. So thank you for doing that. Um, and I love you too. Uh, the next one comes from Pam at Pam. Uh, let's see at Pam underscore Kolinsky. Uh, and Pam says a win for me is being on spring break, surrounded by drinkers and making it to two AA meetings and being 11 months sober. Good shit, Pam, 11 months. Congratulations on that. And coming up on a year, I'll be here before you know it. So, um, you know, that's, that's a, I know that for me, that was a big, uh, that was a big milestone that year. Sometimes in the first 30, 60 days, you're like, damn, I'm never going to get to a year. And all of a sudden it's like right around the corner. Um, yeah, if you're at spring break surrounded by a bunch of people, and that kind of goes back to one of the questions earlier about the social situations, um, you know, look at you, you made it through spring break surrounded by drinkers, um, or you're, 
I don't actually wait. Spring break is coming up soon. So I'm not sure if you're saying that you're on your way to spring break um, or, and you're going to be able to do that uh, and making it too. maybe it is. I don't know. I'm confusing the shit out of myself now, but in any case you got to meetings, it sounds like you set yourself up, which is what I was talking about earlier. Have a sponsor on speed dial, have a, a friend on speed dial, have somebody ready to call, ready to bounce out if you need to leave. Know where your meetings are at. Like, damn, I'm starting to get uh I'm starting to get a little little sketch right now. I might need to run and, and go hit a meeting up. Cool, I got a schedule on my phone. I know right where they're at. You're setting yourself up uh, for success and being able to put yourselves in those types of situations uh and, and not drink. Uh, so that's a good thing. So congrats on that. And um, uh, thank you for the comments also. Uh, this next one comes from Ken. Uh, that's at Ken Harbor. Uh, and Ken just says, you're great. I'm enjoying your podcast. It's helping me a lot. So thank you. Uh, Ken, thank you, man. Like I appreciate the, uh, the, the nice comments on there and um, appreciate you. And I hope the show is serving you well and you're getting something out of it. And um, man, I can tell you one thing, it's helping keep my ass sober. And so it's uh, just as important on my end too. So thank you. Uh, the next one comes from uh, from Rachel. And I know Rachel, Rachel's awesome. Um, Rachel helps out at, at uh, Kids Ministry at CR for uh, her um, on Monday nights there. And uh, we just, you know, man, like it's a place we can go, go to a meeting and drop our kids off. And uh um, and then you have people who volunteer there and that are good people that, you know, let the kids play and do that. So appreciate that. Um, now, Rachel, it's uh, uh, it's at R-A-A-E-E-X-O um, on Instagram. And it's learning that I can't control every situation as much as I want to. I have to roll with the punches and make the best of it. Damn straight right there. Man, how many of us want to control every little thing in you know, that happens to us or we say, why, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Um, how, when, what, you know, we want, we want to know, we want to, we want to grasp onto that, like with this death grip, uh, and have control over everything. And, you know, for me, giving up some of that control means letting go and being okay with everything not going my way, which is a really, really hard thing to do. Um, that's why I, I haven't figured it out yet. And most people haven't, you know, or, or they're c continuously working towards it. You know, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know, um, you know, what's going to happen next. And if I'm constantly sitting around trying to control it and, and trip on it, dude, it just leads to so much anxiety. You know, it leads to so much, um, angst and not peace, unpeace, not ease, uh, resistance. I think that's a good word, you know, and trying to control shit, there's resistance and we're all tight and our assholes feel like they got to stick up them. And we just can't, we, we, yeah, you just, you can feel it, right? You can feel that shit coming up through your stomach and your chest and it gets hot and you just, you're so tense. And man, how many times have I been there? How many times do I still start to go back to that? And I got to go, wait a minute, I'm not in control of this shit. Like I'm okay. Just let it go. I'm not in control. And like, you can, you can literally feel the weight come off your shoulders when you let go and you just say, fuck it. Like, I'm not, I can't do this. Not for me to trip on. You know, the other thing, Rachel, I got to roll with the punches. One of my favorite quotes, and I just was telling this to my homeboy, Chad, the other day, uh, he said something about rolling with the punches. One of my favorite quotes is uh, uh, by Mike Tyson. Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right. And uh, you got to roll with that. 
you know, you got to be ready for what's next. And at the same time, you got to be ready uh, and rolling with those punches. I'm not, I'm, I'm not so fixated on my strategy and on my expectations and my agenda that when something does come up and I can't control it or I get socked in the mouth real quick, you know, obviously we're using a metaphor here, uh, but you know, that I can't adjust to that and just roll with it and then do what, you know, make happen what adjustment needs to. I'm so, you know, the opposite to that is being so stuck in the agenda mode, so stuck in that expectation, that plan mode that you can't adjust. And then your whole world falls apart because you can't roll with the fucking punches. So that's a really, really good one right there. And hey, it's something that we're all consistently trying to work on. You know, we're trying to get better at it. And how do we get better at it? We put in work. We put in work, we show up, we step out of our box, we step out of our bubble, we get around other people, we create groups, we join groups, we get together with people, we talk, we communicate, we, uh, we learn about ourselves, we get on a higher spiritual plane. That's where it's at. So Rachel, thank you for that. Good stuff. Rolling with the punches. I'm going to make that my thing, uh, my thing for today, be rolling with the punches for the rest of the day and the rest of the night and hopefully forever at that. Uh, it's good stuff. The next one, we got a couple more, and then we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap up this segment here uh, and move on. Uh, at fit and sober, my win this week was watching people drink on the patio in the sun, and I'm so grateful not to be there. Man, I would only the only part of that that uh, I would um, you know I, I love to to sit on the patio in the sun uh, and maybe drink like some lemonade or some uh, some water. I don't know, whatever, something non-alcoholic. That part sounds good, but I can see what you're saying about the grateful thing about not having to be there and drink. Um, you know, the normalcy bias with drinking is so damn heavy. It's just a normal thing that we're so conditioned, uh, to do that. The thought of, you know, for a lot of us, the thought of not doing it is so scary and so, uh, foreign that, we don't ever do it because it's, we're so programmed to see it as a normal thing. Um, and I'm not demonizing it by any means or saying that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just pointing out that that's kind of the way that it is. And so, you know, I would put a challenge out there to anybody like to, to stop, like don't drink for like 30 days, try it for 30 days and see what happens. Um, you know, I had a comment and I don't think I put it on here because I think it was on a different thread. Um, but, uh, and it came from, um, man, I'm totally drawing a blank on his name right now, but I, I talked to him through Larry Hagner's, um, dad's edge group. Um, and, and forgive me right now, but anyways, he said, you know, I started listening to the podcast, you know, and with, with the thought that I just wanted to stop for 30 days and now it's been almost two years. This was just a couple of days ago, you know? So, so he figured out that like, wait, man, this ain't serving me. And it doesn't mean I'm an alcoholic or that I have a, a huge issue. Everyone's different. That's for everyone to judge on their own. Right. But like, man, this, this tool that I'm using to transition over to deal with stress or joy or whatever, this tool is not serving me right anymore. And I'm so, I'm so, it's so normalized to me. That's all I've known uh, that it's a little bit foreign to, to think I, that I could live without it. In fact, I can, and it's, it's about 10 times better, you know, without it. So he went on, you know, from going from 30 days to almost two years now. And so I would, I would say that to anyone out there who's listening, you know, that, that maybe they're 
pondering it or considering it. It doesn't it doesn't mean that it's the end of you know the the world or you you're you're necessarily um, you know need to go into a recovery program. You know, and I'm kind of targeting the middle ground drinker right here, the average person. Like maybe you just want to cut back. Like I challenge you to that. Like try it for 30 days and like see what happens. You know, see what happens. See what happens when you go out, you know, like fit and sober and look on the patio and say like, damn, that, that looks great in the sun, but there they are with their their cocktails. And that, you know, might've looked fun at one time, but I'm kind of grateful I'm not doing that right now. And I don't have to do that. I can go sit in the sun and enjoy it and not have to have, you know, an alcoholic beverage to feel complete there. Um, switching things up is fucking crazy sometimes, and it will do some really different things for you. Uh, so fit sober. Thank you for that one. Uh, the next one comes from Christina. Uh, that's, uh, C Mendoza 73. My win is being sober for two years. Congratulations on that. Two years is huge. March 10th. I celebrated two years. It was emotional and wonderful all in one. I uh, come from a family filled with dysfunction and alcoholism, and yet I try to fit in even though I'm an outsider now, but I'm okay with it and I'm happy this way and I wouldn't change it. Thank you for your podcast and the work you do in the recovery world. So Christina, number one, congratulations. Um, that's my mom's birthday, March 10th, actually your sobriety date. So um, that's a good day. Uh, congrats on that. Two years is huge. Uh, keep going. Um, I know, you know, that that feeling, whether it's friends or family or, or those circles that we are um, that we used to run with or we run with when you're kind of the only one who doesn't drink. Um, and a lot of us have good supporting friends and family. I know I do, you know, who support what I do. And they they try even if they don't understand it 100 percent, they try their best to and they respect it and all that. And I know there's also some other people out there who aren't as lucky as I am, who don't have people in their lives like that, who don't really support their stuff. They don't try to understand it. They're just straight fucking haters and they hate on it. And that's got to be tough, you know, and, um, you know, we can only do what we can do. We can only work on what we can work on ourselves and try to better ourselves. And, and, um, you know, I think uh, in a conversation I had yesterday, it was my, um, I don't, um, what other people think about me is none of my business. What other people think about me is none of my business. And that's, I say that not saying that I have that figured out and that I can do it because I still can't. It bothers me sometimes when people, you know, have had someone leave a bad comment or a review or just be an asshole in somewhere and it just say something and it pisses you off or you hear something right about somebody said something about you or a performance you did or Whatever the case is, like at the end of the day, I can't control. That goes back to the control thing, right? That Rachel said, like trying to control shit. I can't even control what other people think, say, or do. I can't control that. So let me just focus on me, keep my side of the street clean, do what's right for me. And then, you know, let God work out the rest. That's on him. That ain't on me. Christina, thank you again. Congrats on that. Good for you. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you. Um, Last but not least, the comments uh, from this, uh, from, from this thread, from the winds, this goes out to my beautiful mother at Darcy Raymer. My mom, Darcy, recently graduated from her CR step study. So congratulations. I'm going to give you the clap there. Let's do the golf clap too. How about the golf clap? Oh yeah. That's a huge thing. 
you know, that is a huge win. That's not just a small win. That's a small win and a big win combined, I think, because the small win was just showing up every week. You know, when you do a CR step study, you have to show up every week for about seven months. You know, you meet on, I think when we did ours, it was Tuesday nights. Um, I think when my mom did hers, it was Sunday night. And, you know, here's the thing about that. My mom didn't go and many other women and men don't go for addiction. We think of a 12 step as only for alcohol or drugs. It's not. It's for depression. It's for abuse. It's for anxiety. It's for how to deal with life, how to deal with me, how to deal with myself. And when you jump in a step study and you start working some of that stuff out, that past stuff that we've dipped down and buried deep in our hearts, insecurities, um, you know, all of those things that haunt us sometimes that we don't tell anybody about. That's what a step study is about. And that's what it will do is what will gain. You can gain some freedom from some of that stuff by letting it out and talking about it and learning that you're not alone in that. Now, my mom, you know, went through and had this wonderful group of other women in this women's step study. We actually had them over at our house um, and just did just an amazing job of putting together this uh, this nice birthday brunch for my mom and all her all her ladies from uh, from the step study. Um, and it was nice to sit and, and to, to chat with them and to meet them and to see like my mom coming from a life of abuse and isolation and insecurity and all that. And, and, you know, she's, she's definitely had, um, some close friends along the way that have stuck by her, uh, you know, Nancy, uh, Deb, um, I'm sure I'm missing somebody. So I know that there's, there's one or two more at least, but, you know, outside of that, there wasn't really anybody you know, for her. And then she goes into this step study, which is totally new and meets this new group of women who are opening their hearts up and, and talking about the shit that they've dealt with in their past, whether it's addiction stuff or, you know, any number. Um, and they build this bond of, of, uh, of support and of love. And that right there is a huge win. So, uh, congrats to my mom. Congrats to you, mom. Love you. Appreciate all your support and everything. And, uh, man, the step study thing, huge thing very, very big. And congratulations on it uh, again. So man, my phone's blowing up here. Let's see. Um, that's Sean Beasy. What's up, Sean Beasy? Running a little late today, man. I was supposed to do some lunch with Sean Beasy today. We'll see if that happens still. We might have to do dinner, bub. Might have to do dinner, bub. I saw, I saw Sean Beasy on Instagram skateboarding with a cowboy hat and wranglers and a cowboy boots on some cowboy boots shredding the gnar in the stable. Not a boy, bub. Keep it up. Love it. All right. Let me celebrate a couple of my wins and then we're going to move on uh, to uh, to a couple of um, couple of other things before we wrap this thing up. Um, oh, do I even want to share? Do you guys want to? I mean, I wish I could ask you. Do you want to hear some of my wins? I mean, I'm fucking celebrating things all the time. I'll be real brief with this. Okay. First of all, I want to celebrate. <laughs> I've had a few wins and I don't mean to start with an, with an epic fail and a big loss, but it's funny. So I'm going to do it. Jess and I were supposed to go to the Mark Farina show. One of Jess's favorite DJs from back in the day, right? We're 37 years old. Who the fuck thought that we were going to go see a DJ one night and like dance and do the thing. Right. I mean, I guess we're only as old as we tell ourselves, but a month and a half ago when we bought the tickets, we were like, yeah, let's, we're going to go see Mark Farina. Hell yeah. It's going to be sweet. Dude, out in Sebastopol, have some fun. I mean, whatever. We got the tickets. Well, the night comes around 
and we're sitting there and I think Jess worked that day. She had a long ass day. Uh, I think it was on a Friday. It, it might, was that last week? I think it was last week. Yeah. I had a long ass day too. Uh, we already had the kids lined up, you know, they were staying with, at, at Nani and Papa's house. So thanks to them for keeping them anyways. But we, uh, we get home and, and, and we're both kind of like, yeah, so, uh, so you want to, you want to go and see Mark Frieda, right? Yeah, we're going, right? We got the tickets. Oh yeah, yeah, we're going. We're, we're trying to like not feel like old bastards, you know, old, uh, old people. We're just old. You just, you're just fucking old, right? That's how I just feel sometimes. And, um, so we're kind of hinting around. We're like, I, you know, if you don't want to go, then like, I, you know, we don't have to go. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to, I mean, I'll go if you want to go. Right. I mean, you know how that whole conversation goes down, especially if you're married, right? Well, you know, you kind of go back and forth. And so we both finally come to the fucking agreement that we, neither one of us really wants to go. We could really give two shits. We're going to go out there. By the time we get out there, the thing doesn't start till nine. We're not even going to get out there. It probably won't even start, you know, playing any music till 10. And by the time we get home, it's going to be two in the morning. You know, fuck that. We ended up going to dinner. We had dinner. We came home. Our asses put the office on and went to bed at like 930. Losers. Who's a loser? That's kind of how we felt. But at the same time, we felt like winners because we're too, like, we don't need to be doing that anymore. We kept saying the only excuse we gave was, well, if it was in Sacramento, we'd go. Yeah, but it's just too, just Sebastopol's just too far at nighttime. It's raining out. Uh, You know, every excuse in the book to not go. So hopefully Mark Farina comes around. Again, maybe he'll come like in, in uh, and he'll come spin a set in our front yard and then maybe we'll show up maybe in our backyard. Yeah, if he ever does that, we'll be there for sure. But uh, until then, have yet to see Mark Farina, but we still love him. Still love the tunes. Put it on, especially when the sun comes out. Some good stuff. So here I'm going to give you three quick wins real quick. Um, I was going to dive into this a little bit further, but man, we're already way over on time right now. Three other wins that I have lacked celebrating. Okay. Being a sober father, that's number one, enjoying time with my kids. Uh, you know, being a sober father and being able to enjoy that being present in the moment, um, is, is so huge for me. You know, I, um, I've strived for that, uh, you know, to, to, to do my best at that. And am I perfect? No, but you know, I really do try to, to be, to be in the moment, to enjoy the time, um, to enjoy them growing up right now, even though it's like chaos sometimes, but I know before I know it, they're going to be driving and they're going to be not wanting to hang out with us. Uh, so, you know, being sober really allows me to have to be in, in the moment most of the time. Now, do I escape sometimes and veg out on my phone or, you know, try to get out and stay active and kind of really, absolutely. I have to have that time. There has to be a balance there. But when I'm with the kids, I've really put a conscious effort towards, you know, staying in the moment, staying conscious, like being there with them and enjoying that company. You know, the other thing about being a sober dad, you know, they're not ever having to see me drink or be drunk. You know, they know like dad, dad doesn't drink. And I'm not saying anyone who drinks is bad or anything at all. I always like to preface that because it's not the, the, the alcohol that's the problem. It's, it's the me that's the problem. And that's why I don't do it. And I, I just don't want to do that anymore. Might I add, I don't want to, I don't need to be intoxicated. I don't need that. I can find other ways, you know, to, to, to do that. And that's actually what this next win is, which I'm going to get into in just a second. Um, but I can find other ways to do that, to escape, to let go of the stress, you know, um, being a sober father also allows me to learn from them. Like they, they teach me a lot. They teach me a lot and I have to feel the good and the bad, the challenging 
and the easy, you know, the, the anger sometimes and, uh, the, the ease, the pleasant, you know, times. Um, and then I think the biggest one is apologizing when I'm wrong. You know, I kind of blew, blew up a little bit the other day at Lucy and, um, I felt terrible about it, you know, and, um, I went and I apologized, you know, and I said, I'm sorry, you know, daddy, daddy lost it a little bit right there. And it happens, you know, um, I don't beat myself up for it, but I acknowledge it and I admit promptly when I'm wrong and I ask for forgiveness straight up. And that's one of the big things that as uh, you know, being sober, I, I don't think I would have ever been able to do that had I continued down that, that path. So that's a huge win being a sober dad. The other one or uh, the, the next one, um, committing to CrossFit, you know, I don't want to get into this Mr. Cross. I'm not Mr. CrossFit. I kept saying last time and all week, I'm not trying to be the motherfucking best CrossFitter. I'm just trying to get in shape and not have a dad bod straight up. And I feel like CrossFit is probably the best thing that has worked that I've ever done in the last 30 days. Um, we're just about to hit 30 days, I think, in a couple of, of going, you know, three to four times a week, every week. And I can already see some results, um, just let alone just mentally. And it feels really, really, really good. And that, that was what I was going to say earlier about the high thing. I don't need to be high off alcohol or a drug because I noticed after coming off a hard ass workout, dude, I'm high as a kite, like naturally, like, and it's funny. We'll sit there and we have a good group there and we'll start talking afterwards. And I'm like talking a mile a minute. Like I just did an eight ball of Coke or something like that's how I used to get off that be blunt, just yapping. But I'm so, I'm feeling so good on this natural high um, you know, just from getting my ass kicked on a workout, those endorphins are just pumped up to the max. I love that shit. And it's, it's healthy. You know, it's good. It's not, it's not a bad high. It's a good thing. And so that's one of the ways that I can, I can still get some of those, you know, feelings of, um, of, uh, satisfaction or a high, I guess, if you call it, um, what else, man? I, you know, with, with the, with the exercise, CrossFit, working out overall health and wellness, um, it's definitely helped with my eating habits. So that's a big win. Um, you know, it's helping with my attitude, another win, you know, so you take a bit, uh, you take a big win, like, you know, CrossFit being committed to that. And then there's a bunch of small wins that go under it, you know, like learning to push myself and sit in the pain, like sit in the pain of, um, you know, being on like the last deadlift or the last set of deadlifts and feeling like your back is just going to freaking explode because it's on fire. And then after that, you got to go do a bunch of box jumps or run, you know, a bunch of 200, you know, meters around the parking lot or whatever. Like it's, it's go, go, go. And it's learning how to sit and work through that. It transfers over to other things in life, I guess is, is what I'm saying. It's not just about, you know, working out or CrossFit or whatever. Um, you can use that in recovery and in a lot of other things in life, even just being a parent, being a spouse, whatever it is. All right. Here's the last one. The last one. This is a huge win. Are you guys ready for this? Are you ready for the huge win? I'm 30 days sober from hostess cherry pies. Oh yeah. I haven't had a cherry pie in over 30 days. Now here's the caveat to that. I've had a donut and a cupcake, <laughs> but y'all know if you follow the show, my hostess cherry pie madness comes on when I go to the store to grab some milk or grab something Jess will send me. And I'm like in the checkout line and I'm like, Ooh, there's a hostess cherry pie right there. I'm just going to buy it and eat it in the car on my way home and then feel like dog shit afterwards. Haven't had any over 30 days sober, I believe from that. That sounds stupid. 30 days sober from, but I haven't eaten any fucking cherry pies. Okay. That's all I'm saying. I don't plan on it. 
Um, good stuff, man. Good, good stuff right there. I'm, I'm kind of proud of that. I'm kind of proud of that. So thank you guys for celebrating your wins. Um, you know, having some questions, some comments. I appreciate the, uh, the interaction there. And I hope that uh, something I said made sense in that too. I have a couple more things before we wrap this thing up. Now, if you followed once again last week, or I, I believe the previous week too, I touched on it a little bit. We talked about grown man with a glove. Grown man with a glove. What is grown man with a glove? Just in case you missed it, it's when you go to a professional baseball game. I like to play a little game called grown man with a glove. Now, if a grown man is there with a glove and he's with a child or children, he has a pass. He is allowed to be there with a glove. If he is not, if he's there with his buddies, um, that should be legal and, and he should be ridiculed for that, I think. Uh, so what I do, you catch the damn ball with your bare hand. You're a grown man. You don't bring a glove to a game. Okay. So that is the spiel that I went on, on the last one. And we do, we count. Someone asked me last week, how many grown men with gloves did you see? And I saw six. In fact, one of them happened to be sitting right next to me. And, uh, as a matter of fact, I think it was, uh, uh, how I want to say his name is how I'm off the top of my head on Instagram pointed out that in the pictures of on Instagram of, uh, me and cash from last week's opening day, I didn't even realize this. And this was a great look on his part that one of the photos I took of cash, I think he's eating a churro in it. You can see grown man with a glove sitting next to him. You can see him there with his glove. And so I didn't catch that until, until the other day when he mentioned that. So good, good look on that. How appreciate that. But Deborah, okay. At Debbie, Deborah left a comment on that thread. And here's what she said. Grown man with a glove protects me, a woman slash grandma from fast flying balls. And in return gives the ball to a kid. Not everything is black and white. I kind of went mama bear on that podcast or on that comment, but I love the podcast. You said it yourself. It's okay to be different. hundred percent. I love the comment. I love that you pointed that out because I didn't think about it from that perspective. So I've changed my guidelines on grown man with a glove. If grown man with a glove is now seen at a ball game and he has his wife there, he has his mother there, maybe a girlfriend there. I don't know. A female companion, whatever you want to call it. He gets a pass now too. Maybe he needs to catch the ball and protect his lady friend, his lady, his mom, his grandma, whatever it is, get it. Okay. Here it is though. If grown man with the glove is there, most of the time he's wearing a Jersey with another grown man's name on the back, which is um, really weird to me too. If he's there with his buddies drinking beer and he's got a glove, he is grown man with a glove he counts on the stat chart as how many grown men with gloves at a game. End of story, period. Deborah, thank you for the comment. Appreciate that. Now, Seth, at Seth Hasty, Seth Hasty, Hasty, I'm not sure how you say that. Uh, Seth, though, um, came through, left a cool little comment uh, on there. I chatted to him real quick, but he asked if I drink non-alcoholic beer. Do you drink NA beer? Um, you know, here's the thing with NA beer. And then he, he left a... Um, he left a good uh, article on here too um, that's titled uh, Brewers Large and Small Take Aim at Non-Alcoholic Beer Segment. And basically the gist of it is um, that the beer companies are realizing that sobriety and that and, and, and even people who just don't want to drink all the time, you know, but maybe for the social experience, they want to still drink a beer. 
you know, the NA market is they're, they're pumping a, a, a lot of money into it basically. And they're, they're really revamping it and trying to make it a thing. I think Pops is coming out with a new NA beer. Um, I know Heineken, my homeboy, Nick, when we were just up for Scotty's 40th, we were on the way up and we were talking a little bit about NA beer. And he mentioned to me that Heineken, he said, man, have you seen that new Heineken that's coming out? It's a new NA beer. It's supposed to be really good. It's got 0.0 alcohol in it. And it just so happens that the, the article that Seth sent over really went into some more depth about, about the, uh, um, you know, the Heineken one. And actually here's, I'm just finding it right now. Here's a, uh, a piece of it. It says Heineken is making one of the bigger bets on the future growth of the NA beer segment in January. It plans to launch Heineken 0.0, which was successfully introduced across Europe last year. The company is investing $50 million to promote the brand through media events, sponsorship, sponsorships, activations, and samplings. Um, it goes on to say, we're going to be investing in this as a growth engine for the Heineken brand. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of branding behind it. There's a lot of marketing behind it. Obviously they see a place in the market for, for business, right? At the end of the day, that's what it's about for any brand or company. Um, but I think it's a real testament to the sober, sober community and people, maybe not just the sober community, cause not everybody drinks non-alcoholic beer who's sober, but just the beer drinking community in general. You know, people are starting to figure out that, hey, we don't want to get all fucked up all the time. And maybe we do want to have a couple of beers and still be able to drive home and not, you know, feel like we might get in trouble or, you know, get a DUI or drive with our kids. You know, maybe somebody does want to have an NA beer and, and not have to trip on it. They like the taste. Now, for me, I didn't really understand that because, um, you know, I didn't drink beer um, for the taste. I drank beer to get drunk. And one of my favorite quotes I heard, I'm going to I'm gonna quote the great Buddy C right now. Uh, I was, we were talking about this and Buddy C said, I drank beer on the way to, on the, I drank beer on the way to the liquor store. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Many of us did that. Or I drank beer to wash down the vodka after, you know, whatever. I didn't, I didn't really drink for the taste of it. Um, so, so there's that. And that, that, uh, that article is it, uh, just to give these guys credit, it's www.brewbound.com, uh, slash brewers, large and small take aim at non-alcoholic beer segment. I'll, I'll make sure I put it in the show notes. If you want to read it, it really is an interesting article. Uh, and it, and it goes into a lot more detail about the, uh, the industry there and, um, and, uh, um, what it's about, how it's growing, uh, and options around it. So, so let me get to, to the question, you know, Seth asked, like, do you drink non-alcoholic beer? I don't drink it regularly. I can probably count on my fingers how many non-alcoholic beers I've had. I, not probably, I definitely can. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's been far and few. There've been, there've been times in social situations, um, where at, at a party where there's a lot of people drinking at a wedding, um, at a get together, I think on Super Bowl, I think I had a non-alcoholic beer. Um, I don't, I don't really drink. Like I said, for the, t and it's funny, the few times that I have had non-alcoholic beers when I'm done with it, I go, why the fuck did I drink that? Like, why, why did I feel the need to drink that? And so when I thought about it more, it really is a social thing. It has nothing to do with, you know, for me about the taste of it or feeling something. Um, it really is just 
feeling so I can fit in a little bit, which is kind of sad, really, um, in, a, in a weird sense. Or maybe it's not sad. I don't know. Maybe that's stupid to, to say, too. But all I know is in that moment, I felt like, yeah, I'm going to have an N.A. beer and kind of feel part of the, you know, part of the gig here. Um, and then, like I said, afterwards, I go, man, I don't know really why I really drank that. It just kind of didn't really do anything for me. I'd rather have some coffee or something with some caffeine in it at least or, you know, some some water with some lemon and lime. That's my thing, you know. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure everyone's got a different opinion on it. And, um, you know, to each his own on that. Some I, I've seen and heard of guys who religiously drink non-alcoholic beer and they've, they've been sober for a long time and that's what they do. They grab a, you know, a six pack on the way home and they have a few NA beers and that helps to, to, to keep them sober off the regular sauce. So, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's a, uh, a, uh, um, a preference for everybody and everybody's different. That's kind of my take on it. Seth, man, thank you for reaching out. Uh, thanks for the article. Uh, I'd like to, and I don't want to, you know, I know Seth, um, we talked a little bit about the work he does and I think it's really interesting, the business that he's in, um, it has to do with beer. And so he's seeing that, uh, and he's trying, I think he said he's 60 days sober or something around there. So congrats on that, bro. Um, but he's seeing that from the inside out. So maybe that's something we can chat a little bit about more, dude. I think it's an interesting, uh, interesting take on that. Um, last thing here, and I forgot it. I'm trying to find it on here. Uh, here it is. So, I mentioned about the toilet paper roll, right? I gave Jess some shit a couple episodes ago because she keeps putting the toilet paper roll on backwards. I think is backwards, upside down, upside down, right? And uh, so all of a sudden I'm, um, you know, I, I think it, I looked at and I got a message from uh, at that man's name is me. And uh, he said, um, you know, he said, Here, here's, here's an article for you. This should basically put the nail in the coffin. And uh, confirm this is how you should hang your toilet paper roll. And I'll put the show, I'll put the link in the show notes if you want to read this this crazy article here. It's on Yahoo. Uh, but here's here here's the first paragraph of it. If it's it's an argument, um, every homeowner has had. Should the end of the toilet paper hang over the top of the roll, or should it be tucked underneath? We may finally have an answer, courtesy of a nineteen or an 1891 patent by New York businessman Seth Wheeler, credited by some as America's founding father of butt wipe. I added that in there, or toilet paper. Uh, Wheeler patented the first uh, perforated wipes in 1871 and launched his Albany Wrapping Paper Company in 77. Okay, two years before the Scott Brokers. Okay, uh, let's get down to what the hell I'm looking for here. I don't want to read this whole thing. Uh, basically, it's giving you a little history on the toilet paper. Um, and basically what it says is the answer is you can see that above is over. So this diagram um, comes from 1891, the S-wheeler wrapping or toilet paper roll. And the, so basically what this is saying is the inventor of the toilet paper with the squares of ply in the original invention papers has a diagram, not just one, but one, two, three, four, five, six patent September 15th, 1891 by S Wheeler. The roll gets pulled over the top. If it's underneath, it's wrong. If it's underneath, it's wrong. As you can see, the answer is over. Boom. Oh yeah. I have vindication here. Thank you for that. It needs to go over the top. 
Please put your toilet paper over the top. Please fold your toilet paper. If you're like me, set up some pre-wipes. It's a fun thing. I like to pre-fold. I want to be ready. I don't crumple. I fold. Crumplers are messy. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying here. If You're not messy. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm totally joking. If you crumple, crumple however you want to do it. I like to fold. Anyways, I love you guys. I hope you had some fun on this episode today. Hey, here's the thing. Like, If we can't have fun, and be sober if we're going to be in this sober recovery community and just in general if we're just going to just be and have fun in life in general life is too short to take shit so damn serious have a little bit of fun laugh today um love your family love your friends love your kids that's what it's about uh you know enjoying every moment living in the moment i love you guys i appreciate you um man once again one of the big wins also you know what i just i totally miss this um, one of the big wins was we celebrated five years of, of that sober guy. Um, you know, we launched the show in, uh, in April in 2014, we just hit five years. Um, you know, what an honor it is to serve, to do the show, to put out episodes like this, to have a little bit of fun, to get to interact with people. I absolutely love it. And most importantly for me, it's helped to keep me sober. I undermine, I think a lot of, um, of how much that sober guy has actually helped me and how much you guys out there who listen and, and chime in and, and send me messages and emails. Like this is what it's about. It's a, it's a community of great people, family, friends, um, everybody. And, you know, you guys have helped keep me sober and keep this show going for over, you know, five years now in a couple of five years and a couple of days at this point. And so I'm just really appreciative towards that. Thank you guys. Uh, I love you. Keep tuning in. Uh, check us out at thatsoberguy.com. Thanks to Foundations uh, Recovery Network. Uh, thanks to Humans Music. You can connect with us on Instagram at Will That Sober Guy at Shane Raymond on Twitter. Peace, love, and respect. Keep your blood in